1: There was a time I had trouble talking about it, congratulate them, we know they doubted,
0: somehow we made it up out the pit, back against the wall, never quit, traversing through each obstacle, show a non-believer what's possible, let nothing they could do stand, in between me and my wildest dreams, let's go. And that come at us could come
1: in between, life gave me the worst, yet my side grew so green, we've been down in the dirt. Been tossed in the trash, but I never strayed from my path. When we're
2: gone, we ain't looking back. Maybe we were all way too high. Maybe that's our
0: fault. It's going to be a crazy time, but it's going to be a fun time. Life is boring if you don't take some chances
1: and do some things outside the box. Your destination for both some feel-good lifestyle advice and some fantasy football advice. All right, all right, all right. Welcome in. It is September 20th. 2022 week two was one for the comeback kids baby something we love here in between media thanks for tuning in everyone seth nate and scott back here with you we got the vibes flowing on a tuesday fall is in the air football in full swing baby guys how are you feeling the season is just heating up my friends
2: i'd be feeling better if my individual fantasy team is doing better but you know what just part of this whole um, I'm ecstatic that football's exciting weekend, big comebacks. You know, lots of studly performances weeks. You know, uh, you got studs out there doing their stud thing. Winning weeks for people. So, but yeah, it's early. It's only week two,
1: mate. How are you feeling, my friend?
0: Uh, dude, it was a wild weekend of red zone. <clears throat> like watching Tyreek go off for four touchdowns against Baltimore. What was that? Like, what was that? Josh Allen was ridiculous. Stephon Diggs last night was ridiculous. Just incredibly. It was a wild, wild weekend. And I went, the Jets beat the Browns. Joe Flacco, look what he like, I don't Joe know. Joe Cool, baby.
1: The real Joe Cool.
0: <clears throat> you know, I'm all for the Jets. I don't root against any team anymore doing what we do. We spend too much time talking about players across the league. I like this. I like this Jets team with Joe Flacco. Seth, I'm not going to lie, I, I, I can buy into the Frisky Jets with Joe Flacco.
1: Dude, the Frisky Jets, I've been saying it all off-season long. And, you know, while they still might not be the best team, they're fun as hell to watch, and, and Joe Flacco's getting it done out there. It really was a weekend of highs and lows. I think a lot of this we projected out to come our way. And then there was a lot that we didn't project out, like Devontae Adams, two receptions. What was that all about? Just craziness all the way up and down the board. Tonight, guys, we have a really jam-packed show for you. We're going to have week two winners and losers. What are the takeaways? What should you be thinking about heading into week three? We're also going to talk a little more about week three, talking about the players who underperformed and overperformed this week and talk about what their fantasy futures hold and should be buying or selling them here early on in the season. Because while it is week two or going into week three, you still got to be making trades, guys. You still got to be active out there. And then we're going to round it out with our In the Scope segment, talk about the surface waiver wire additions you can grab tonight, Tuesday, or the next day, uh, the free agent finds who are a little bit more buried down there. Save you guys some fab. Um, guys, I'm feeling ecstatic. We got Albert here in the chat. Good to see you, Albert. Albert, Evening. twice today, I see. Yeah, you. a little Albert, Albert action in there. We got Royal Slade. Evening, fellas. Hope your week off is what off to a great Slade. start. We appreciate that, Slade. Always, man. And then Brad Bull. Hey, fellas. Good to see you, Brad, all the way out there in Brad. Australia. But guys, we have the best like people who consistently tune we into do. this show every single week man um, if we can ever make their viewing experience listening experience any better please reach out let us know if we can ever help you with a fantasy football question or DMs are always open always open
0: and Mr. Yes. Scampers if you're out there always, we're waiting always, for always. you to show up we miss you
1: yeah all right guys well let's go ahead and get things ripping tonight we have a loaded show so let's jump right into it with headline hijinks <laughs> So for every winner of week two, there was an equally disappointing, humiliating, even terrifying loser, my friends. So Nate, start us off. Who's your week two loser? So
0: my week two loser is Derrick Henry Managers. Uh, How the mighty have fallen here. Fall of a titan, if you will. And I know this because of an article that Jen wrote for Rasball today. Shout out Rasball. Shout out Jen he's like running back 36 on the season right now for a guy who was going as high as he was. And Tennessee looks like they're in trouble. I mean, if Malik Willis is there next up and Ryan Tannehill's playing this poorly, this is, this is not going to go well for Tennessee.
1: Yeah. And I, I think we like, at least I projected Tennessee to have a down year. Like I was not surprised. I bet a bet against them in week one. I bet against them in week two again, and they'll probably be be a good team. I continue to fade. It's not a great offensive line. They had to cu- cut some of their better offensive linemen due to cap casualties this summer, guys. So I was a little concerned about that. Traylon Burks looks okay. Kyle Phillips looks okay. But it doesn't look like they have solidified playmakers. Scott, are you, are you concerned with Derrick Henry long-term here? Or do you think he gets back on track here? I mean, I'm definitely
2: concerned at this point. I mean, there's a number of players right now that I'm concerned about. But I've also been playing long enough to know. That a lot of guys start off slow. There's been a tweet circling around the last few days that talked about, you know, after two games where Jonathan Taylor was and where Mark Andrews was uh, one year ago today. And so, I mean, with someone like Derrick Henry, I mean, there's not much you can do about it right now. You're you're not gonna be able to trade him for anything that's worth what you, you know, anywhere near what you paid for him. You kind of just have to write it out. I'm doing, I, I have Kamara on one of my teams. Spent a pretty high pick on him, and I'm having the same types of fears around it. But again, um, this isn't necessarily the time to panic and start getting cute and starting like waiver wire scrubs over Derrick Henry just because he hasn't really gone off yet. He, I mean, all your players are not gonna are, aren't going to smash every single week. So I would say, you know, but but with some of these players we're going to talk about tonight, it's more than just, it's early. It's concerning. So I'd put Derrick Henry in that group. I think that I'm not necessarily concerned long-term for Derrick Henry. And you're
0: right, Scott, you can't move him. And nobody's trying to move him, I don't think. It's two weeks, and we know it's early. But for the first two weeks, I mean, you're riding a guy who's putting up seven points, and that's hard. If he's even putting up seven I think he makes a rebound. He's gonna to have to be the focal point for this team. I don't think there's any way around it with as bad as they are. So the production's coming, but I mean, this week, if you roll them out, I hope you had Tua. I hope you had Josh Allen or Steph yeah. Diggs. Yep.
1: Yep. Yeah, I agree. We we got a message here from Albert in the chat. Are you guys worried about Dalvin Cook? We got Dalvin Cook coming up a little bit later in temperature check. We're gonna talk about that, Albert. Um Yeah, I I agree. It was a bad week for Derrick Henry fans, um, for his fantasy managers as well. Uh, But, you know, guys, I think there's a a fan base that suffered even a little bit more than Derrick Henry. And uh, we'll we'll go to my headline next here, my week two loser, the 49ers faithful. First of all, rest up, Trey Lance, man. Like like We hope the best for you. He suffered a season-ending ankle injury. uh, Pretty tough one to watch there for him. Just getting going. He hasn't played a lot of football in the last two years. By the time he gets on the field, it's really going to be three years um, next year. So sad to see him go. We hope the best for him. But this is a fantasy football show, guys. We do have fantasy football implications to talk about. Jimmy Garoppolo stepped right in, looked like his old self here early on in week two here. I was excited to see what he could do. Um, are you guys concerned at all with the 49ers passing game, 49ers offense in general? Because to me, in a way, this is a little bit of an upgrade, as sad as that is to say.
0: Oh, I'm with I mean, you. It's an upgrade.
1: Scott. Yeah, it's kind of it's a weird situation, you know, because I was
2: on the side of thinking Trey Lance was gonna figure it out this year and he was gonna be a really good quarterback, but I still had my concerns about his style of play and what that would mean for the other pass catchers on the team. So Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, you know, there was so much trade rumor, you know, up until really recently that he was gonna be shipped. It was Trey Lance's team, and so obviously now it's like, oh, it's Really good thing they didn't ship him because now he's their quarterback. So I mean, he is, as far as backup quarterbacks, you know, which is what he was, uh, one of the better ones in the league. I, I kind of agree. I think it's a slight bump for like Brandon Ayuk, um, right? Because the thing is, is we, we've seen what these what these pass catchers and what these players can do with Garoppolo with Trey Lance. It was still it was still based on speculation. It was still based on a little bit of hype. So I don't think it's you know it's not the death nail it would be. Um, on other teams, like for the Cowboys, it's a lot. It's a lot bigger deal that Dak is out than than Trey Lance in San Francisco. Yep. Yeah, yep.
0: Scott, I'm right there with you. I I've never really trusted Trey Lance anyway. As a professional quarterback, I have a good friend, big time college guy. He told me in the draft when San Francisco took Trey Lance, said, "Look, this guy's this guy played at a small school. He hasn't faced NFL level talent. He's a raw talent to begin with." It's not like Steve McNair at Alcorn State, where the guy was performing like throwing 600 yards a game because the competition was so beneath him. I think there's a chance that Lance could still develop into a good NFL quarterback. I'm not saying, but he's not not ever going to live up to the third pick overall in the draft. That said, this is an upgrade. This is a massive upgrade for Debo Samuel, for Brandon Ayuk, for George Kittle and for their run game, because now teams have to respect the pass. So Jeff Wilson Jr., when Elijah Mitchell comes back, these are guys that are going to be valuable in fantasy because Jimmy Garoppolo is there and Trey Lance is out. It sucks that this is how it happened. I hate to see it, but it was going to happen this season anyway.
1: I don't think it was Nate. I think you're being a little critical. I think you're being a little critical on on, on Trey Lance. I, I don't think they I don't think they could bench him. Like I don't I think there was like a thing that you can't go back once you make the decision, and because uh, then you're just shattering the kid. Um, that's my opinion. I, I know well, we this is the, the Han-
0: NFL. The NFL's business, man. Like the goal is to win a Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan that, wants a Super Bowl. That's they true. They sniffed but I'll it tell last you, season.
2: If I've learned one thing as a Seahawks fan, is that the front office also likes to be right. They also want to make sure that their investments, you know, they want to I make agree. sure that that looks like it was the That's right, true. you know, for better, or for worse. And I mean, unfortunately we'll never know, um, whether
1: he, right. he, managed, whether he wouldn't have, um,
0: useless conjecture at this point. Yeah. Fantasy. It's
1: really yeah. Too fa- bad. Fantasy. It is just too bad. You guys Debo Samuel. I think you give him a slight bump. Same with iuk a little bit. And George Kittle's yeah. back this week, hopefully. So, uh, you know, that, that, that's good signs all around. I think they're going to need to lean a little bit more on this passing game than initially thought. Jeff Wilson Jr., he's going to take the reins here. And Nate's guy, tyrion Davis-Price, he got banged up in this one. He's yep. going to miss a couple weeks too. So it's Jordan Mason. It's Jeff Wilson Jr. Um, I believe – did they just make a – I think I just saw across my new, news feed too that they just – uh Marlon a, Mack. Marlon Mack. They, they said
0: Marlon Mack. Yep.
1: Yep. So – there are moves being made here in San Francisco, but the passing game, I think it did get a little bit of a bump. Scott, why don't you go ahead and take us away with your biggest fantasy football loser of week number two? This one follows Seth's theme, and I'll start with my high headline, and it's
2: Lions and Tigers and Bears. Oh, my. Um, it's the Bears, and specifically the passing game. So, I mean, you know, this one that's been a hot topic on this podcast, it's been a hot topic in the fantasy community and community in general um i sent out a tweet a few days ago giving giving my compadre here seth some props for being completely right about this um i didn't think that the bears were going to be a good offense so i think they were going to be a good team i thought there would be enough at least to support some fantasy relevance and honestly at this point right now it does not look like there is darnell mooney's kind of just a guy i mean i he's one of my he was one of my highest praises this offseason um yeah I know. I know a lot of people are saying you know he can he's droppable i'm not dropping him yet i am here come here it comes i am dropping cole commit um he's you know I, it's you know it's one of those things where he might have a few good games here and there but like that's two goose eggs in a row and i lost a game by a few points with him at tight end so yep. at, at a certain point you got to kind of lick your wounds and be like for now you know it's not panning out and so I'm going to go and I'm going to get myself a different tight end. But you've also got to be able to do that. Um, you know, like we said earlier, not with like Derrick Henry and things like that. But there's some players you, you kind of just got to cut bait and you've got, to, you've got to pivot. And he is one of those for me right now. But, I mean, they ran like 40 plays against Green Bay. I mean, it was just a ridiculously bad showing. To me, what it looked like, that game, what that looked like, is it looked like what a team looks like. When mid-game, their quarterback gets hurt. They bring in their backup, and they just kind of run it a bunch and don't really do much. That's what it looked like, and that's their starting offense. Like it's It was really bad. Now, Green Bay, very good defense. So, yeah. you know, uh, I just, not a lot to expect there. But I just I can't trust anybody, really. You can't Maybe trust anyone. But...
1: Yeah, and, and I think this is a product of – I mean, guys, we talked about it. this is the first time offense coordinator, yeah. the defensive head coach. I mean, you've just lost a game and you passed 11 times. Tell me how that makes sense. This isn't the monsoon that we saw last year yeah. with with Mac Jones, where you get away with that. So I'm just stunned by by what happened. And I, I guess I shouldn't really say stunned because I've been fading the Bears all offseason. I've been fading this entire passing game. Guys, like I, I, think at some point, and maybe it's not like maybe we don't have to totally panic quite yet. But I mean, I don't know, man. I haven't seen it out of Justin Fields out of maybe one or two games last season that he can be a starting quarterback. But when you have an offensive line who can't protect for you, you have offensive weapons who can't get get open for you. I think you know, it, it's a tough sledding and it's a bad situation came into.
2: You brought up the offensive line. I mean,
1: I was watching that game
2: closely because you know I want to commit to go off so I could be right but it didn't happen but you know there were there were multiple plays where I saw Komet running a route near the goal line looked like he had a pretty he was you know had some separation but before Fields could even look he was sacked he was just swallowed by the defense so well
0: that's the thing this offensive line is so bad that they signed Alex Leatherwood like think about that that they were so depleted that they signed the worst player on an almost as bad offensive line that was released after being a first round pick Justin Fields I feel bad for the guy because I'm kind of wondering, like, was Matt Nagy that bad compared to what Matt Everflus is doing right now? Okay, like,
1: okay, yo. I'm maybe, say, like, I'm not
0: saying that Matt Nagy was good and but, Matt Nagy needed to but, go, but no, Everfloos no. might have been a step down. Uh,
1: but no, I agree completely. And I was I was the only one saying that all off I was just saying, like, Matt Nagy did take this team to two playoff appearances with Mitchell Trubisky. So sure. I'm not, I'm not trying to defend him, but I'm just saying, like, people thought this was such an upgrade over Matt Nagy, and, and I don't think it was. Like, like the Bears need to look themselves in the mirror. You know, I saw a lot of TikToks of uh, pissed-off Bears fans, and, like, rightfully so, but
0: sure,
1: I just think I mean, bottom was- line for fantasy guys moving forward, you can drop Cole Komet if you haven't already, and I, I think if you want to, I, I think you can send Darnell Mooney to the bench, and after he has one blow-up game, try and get out of him because this Bears offense is not something you want to be a part of other than if you have to play David Montgomery as an RB two, if you have to.
2: Yeah,
1: I will. Say. There have been some comments in, in the chat about you know, you know, maybe,
2: maybe, panicking a little bit. It's two weeks in because um, I know there's another situation we're going to be talking about in a second where it's like, oh, it's just the first few games, the teams getting used to each other. Don't don't panic uh, over and over in Nate's neck of the woods. Um, so I mean that that is also something to consider. Yeah, yes, this is. Iberfless's first time in this situation, but maybe it's gonna take the Bears a few weeks to get it figured out. So I'm not I'm not rage dropping Darno Mooney yet. I'm fine with Komet at this point.
1: Um but I am I, Nate, I are you I, willing I, to it, are you willing to do it, Nate? He was your all in pick.
0: dude, at this point I can't afford to. He's gonna to have to hang out on my bench. He's not my only tight end in any league, but I can't like, Yeah, I'm, ta- I'm talking so about these a league leagues, where he's my only tight end. Well, I've got a league where I have to start two tight ends. And,
1: and Cole Komet's Komet, one of them?
0: One of, he's, one of, well, he's one of four tight ends, but, like, I can't afford to drop him because imagine a league that deep trying to be deep at tight end. The fact yeah. that I have two startable tight ends is a miracle.
1: All right. Well, we've talked about Cole <laughs> Komet, the Bears enough. Way we always much. do. And we always, yeah, yeah it always yeah, ends in the same thing. Meet he's me. no camera Just, break. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that one, Scott, because that that's fair. That is fair. Nate, who's your week two winner?
0: Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown managers have to be over the oh moon God. because they believed in the guy when a lot of people, myself included, even though I called his breakout at the end of last season, I still didn't think when they brought in DJ Chark, I just didn't think it was going to be a thing. TJ Hawkinson was coming back, which we've seen has proved to not mean anything anything at all he's been as those managers who rostered him against our wishes he's been amazing for them he's proved them right well I, kudos to them
1: and, and I, 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 don't, I don't think we were ever against a Monroe. well i don't think we no. talked about him all off season though to no. be honest we never really talked about him
0: i thought he was going too high Him and Gabe Davis, for my two wide receivers, it was like, okay, their cost is prohibitive. I'm not really probably going to have any of them rostered, and I don't. I'm okay with that with Gabe Davis still. But with Amon Rai, I wish I I had looked a little bit more into what happened last season. And he's the wide receiver one in this offense. DJ Chark is a wide receiver two. Somebody we're going to talk about later is the new wide receiver three in this offense that I'm excited about. Jared Goff has been effective, too, and I think that's maybe something we didn't expect.
1: Yeah, I mean, Amon Rod's been fantastic, Nate. 24 targets, 17 receptions for him, 180 mm-hmm. yards, and three touchdowns. And, I mean, he he's the wide receiver four right now in fantasy, off a 39.9 uh, performance here, and, you know, two for 68 on the ground, guys. Like, mm-hmm. he got it done. Like, he kind of looks like a mini version of Debo Samuel out there yep. the, the way he's versatile for this team he's making big plays happen and yeah credit to jared goff he he made it happen um rest of season guys like i i think amon raw to me is like a top 15 guy at least yeah he I could be like, a wide
2: receiver one tier guy he could be i mean you know after the after the success that a few mid-round wide receivers have had the last few years you know Diggs going where he went and then cup and debo going where they went you know, there's a lot of this off season spent like, okay, who's that mid round guy that could ascend. And Juju was a name that was thrown, thrown, thrown around. But it's right now it's looking like it's going to be ARSB. That's who it's looking like it's going to be from that mid round range, jumping up to a potential wide receiver one. I mean, dude is legit. Yep. yep. Um, they have all there. their pass catchers back. They are a pass happy team. I mean, yep. Detroit's kind of on to something. If you ask me, like, I mean, they put up 35 on the Eagles. The Eagles just made right. like, the Vikings look silly. Yeah. Um and Detroit put up 35 on him. I think they're gonna be a fun team to watch. They're gonna be an easy team for me to root for. It's just the yeah. same as the Bengals last year. It's just a team that hasn't had success lately. Um, you know, and Amon Ra, he was
1: he was faded, you know. He he was faded by a lot of people. And so um yeah, it's all good with him. And, and the one thing I'll say about Detroit kind of closing the book there, guys, is their offensive line has played okay, but I think their offensive line has a lot more potential to play even better. Yes, Nate, you're kind of the offensive line guru here. Would you agree with that assessment? Well,
0: they had a, their line actually by the end of last season was performing decently. Right. And then they made some moves in the offseason where they got better, and this is a crew that's learning to play together. But I think by midseason this might be a top 10 offensive line. They're they're and they're already playing well together. They're giving Jared Goff more time to throw, and it's showing. For a team that throws the ball 60% of the time, to have that additional little bit of protection, it's going to open up guys like DeAndre Swift. It's going to open up Amon Ra for some bigger plays. It's a team that's working well together, which I think is kind of unexpected.
1: I'm just going to go rest of season here, and you just tell me. I just need a yes or no, nothing else. Um, rest of season, Keenan Allen, Amon Ra, St. Brown. Amon, yes now. or no? Yeah, mon ra or – yeah. Okay, I guess a Mon-Ra or the other person. Um, I'm, I'm a Mon-Ra there. Okay. Um, What about A.J. Brown? A.J. Brown. A, a Mon-Ra. What about um? – let's go with Mike Williams. Monroe
0: ra Yeah, Sun God.
1: Cortland Sutton? A ra A mon ra yep. Mike Evans?
0: Mike Evans,
1: close man, probably Evans.
2: Uh, There's more touchdown production out of Evans. I'm loving my roster ship of him this week. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. You know, good for him for sticking up for Tom Brady. I agree. Sick of people picking on Tom. Okay,
1: all right. Well, that's great discussion on 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 Monroe, guys. Let's go ahead and shift gears here, Um, Scott. What is your week two winner? Let's bring some positivity positivity back to the winner. Is
2: a running back that I swear just no one ever, ever talks about, um, except saying, Nope, he's not a good value where he's getting drafted. And that's Nick Chubb. Um, and I'll preface that with the current RB one in PPR formats, Nick Chubb. Um, a guy that, I mean, hey, sir. I don't think no one's ever argued his talent. He's probably one of the best complete running backs, um, in the league. He's always had a really high yards per carry. The knock has always been, he doesn't get enough catches, which is not a, I'm not rolling my eyes at that. That is a legitimate knock in PPR formats. But this, this season, I'm still not hearing his name called and he's averaging about 20 carries a game, about a hundred yards a game he had three, three touchdowns, um, in this past game and this past game. And I know this is probably more of an outlier, but he did out target Kareem hunt in this past game, three to two. So I just think he's just one of those, he's one of those running backs that like, just never, he just never gets talked about. It's so weird. Um, I just haven't heard his name. I haven't seen him on my timeline at all this season, and he's the RB one. So he had a he had a smash week. I know they lost the game, but um, I love to see Nick Chubb do well. Even though I, you know it's what what could have been if the Seahawks had taken him instead of Penny.
1: Yeah, yeah, and he's he's been great. Um, you know, people are kind of trashing him a little bit, Scott, just because he he got that last touchdown. Yeah. Which I mean, you get the extra point there. I don't think it's n- no harm, no foul. Also, the Browns are just idiots. Let's just say that. Um, But but I completely agree with you here. The RB1 and in a lot of leagues, guys, I got him in like the middle of a third round. And that's in a 12 team league. So he was faded a a lot. Obviously, Kareem Hunt's always going to steal a little bit of production. But if he can have a floor of about 10 fantasy points and then, you know, do something like this on a spike week, you're going to love it. And, you know, we always kind of saw this out of Nick Chubb. When he gets the carries, he's a monster. His best season came in 2019. He had 300-plus carries that year. I don't think he'll get quite to 300 looking at the pace right now, but it's going to be up there, and I think he'll be a valuable asset as long as he stay, stays healthy here.
0: Well, the way that this offense is trending right now, absolutely. They kind of – percent you want to throw the ball as little as possible. But also, yeah. to be yep. fair, Carolina and – the Jets are two very poor defenses. Very, very Gets good. It's the point. run. Yep. Yep. Now we're looking. They've got Pittsburgh week three. Not super excited to play him in that one, but you're starting him.
1: And no TJ Watt, so I'm, I'm more comfortable that's with true. It.
0: That's true. That's true. They were ran on the, last week. The, Damian
1: Harris ran, ran them right out of the building, honestly.
0: That's true. That's very true. Then they've got Atlanta, which that's a that's a great matchup for him. Then you've got the Chargers, New England, and Baltimore. So, so really, like, if you look at that, the the, the the only the only game I'm looking at here that I don't at least kind of like the matchup is the Chargers.
1: I'll be honest, like l- looking at the way these round one and round two RBs performed, the, I don't know what I would trade Nick Chubb for. Like, there's a lot of like Nothing. you could probably trade him straight up right now for maybe a Najee or maybe a Derrick Henry, and I don't know if I would do that. Guys. I'm not, doing, sounds, that. I'm sounds, not doing that. Which doesn't that sound crazy way. though? Doesn't that yeah. sound crazy? No. Like a couple weeks ago, it doesn't sound crazy. Well, now it doesn't, but a couple weeks ago, it might it might have. I mean, I
2: I I always thought like he was faded into, you know, beyond the RB ten spot. Yeah, I I always thought that was too low. I mean, I'm I don't have a lot of shares because I also subscribe to that where he was going, (laughs) kind of where you're getting him. I'm not really taking a running back there. I will tell you though, in Pauly's playoff in that league, somehow, some way, he fell to the fifth round. It's super flex, but like right, right. I have him as my flex running back.
1: Yeah, very nice, guys. I want to get to a question here from our guy Caden, the Colts fan over on YouTube. Appreciate you tuning in tonight, Caden. Um, should I trade Cup and Javante for Adam Swift and Davis? I imagine that means Gabe Davis, and hopefully not Mike Davis. Caden, um, <laughs> man, that's a. I don't think
0: I do it. Hmm. I think Cup's upside is too high, and Javante's up high upside compared to Swift is too high. I think
2: uh, I, I would reverse that. Okay, I yeah. Okay, got, okay. I, got, I think Swift's got way more upside. So, than yeah. So I would. Just, I would if this would, is redraft. Yeah, I would I mean, say Swift's Swift. Swift
1: Swift's over Javante. It. It's Swift over Javante here. Yeah. But then is so basically is Cooper Cup worth splitting? Here's what I'll say. Caden, this is the best advice I can give to you. Okay, says I'm very deep at wide receiver, nothing at RB. Um, Maybe I would try to get maybe like another small RB throw in then if you need some RBs. Like, I don't think it's a bad trade, and but especially if you're deep at wide receiver, I never want to give up the best player in a trade, which I think you are doing though in this. Yeah, um, I think I don't you're think giving I up 190
0: targets, almost guaranteed in Cooper Cup. And Javante Adams has become the lead back, and as this team gels, Javante Williams will finish as a top five running back. If this team can put it together, he'll have enough volume. And even if they don't, he might still. If they start to lean on the run, just I saying. mean, I,
2: I still I, I stand by that Swift has more has a higher ceiling and more upside than than Javante because he's already he's already somewhat of the lead back, and he gets you know he takes it to the house on pretty much any pass thrown to him. I'm I'm probably not doing this deal though because I'll tell you I would probably be thinking about it a lot heavier if w- the most puzzling result to me this entire week was Devonte Adams having like two catches against that Cardinals defense. I thought he was going to go full ham and eggs on that team. Now he did get the touchdown. So had he gone full ham and eggs, I might be thinking about this a little differently. So it's a little bit of recency bias with a down game from Adams, but it did show that there can be a down game from Adams in that new offense. Whereas cup, I mean, you you see the stats from last yeah. year. It looks like he's right back on tracks. Cup was a wide receiver one, like 88% of the weeks last year. It wasn't just like yeah. spike weeks. It was every week. So I yeah. think in this one, I'm, you know, and I do really like Javante Williams. I'm not trying to say that at all. I'm just saying that I have Swift a little bit higher. Yeah. But in this one, I think Cup, Cup has separated himself um, to the point where I'm not, I'm keeping Cup and Javante.
1: I'm, I'm with you, Scott. I think it's a very enticing trade. I would say if you could get a little more value back, then I would consider it. But it is very hard to give up Cooper Cup, who possibly could be the number one wide receiver again. Um, I, I still love Adams. I love Gabe Davis, but he's a little banged up too. Nate, are you kind of in agreement then that you wouldn't do this? No, I definitely
0: wouldn't do it. Okay. I was in agreeance before you were in agreeance. Awesome.
1: Well, Caden, we appreciate the question, man. Um, feel free to stick around. We have waivers. If you have any waiver questions, any other trade questions, send them our way. Um, ho- hope you like the content, subscribe, and stick around. And come back with uh, with the rest of our IBT family around here. Um, Nate, why don't we go ahead and move forward? Um, I-, I think what I just have one winner left here, and then we can uh, jump to Yeah, let's do it. Temperature check. So my winner, no surprise here, uh, week a baby. Tua shows up here in week two. Um, and he's someone that I, I was out on for a lot of the off season. I started to change my, my tune a little bit. And I think it's because I saw the upside of what Mike McDaniel brings. I think we all saw that. I think it's we saw the of upside of having Tyreek and Javante or uh, Tyreek and Jalen Waddle in this offense as well. Uh, awesome week for Tua, 36 for 50, um, six, six touchdowns, 469 yards, two picks, um, four of those touchdowns did come in the fourth quarter. Keep that in mind. Nate, I think you pointed that out um, earlier today to me. And then Tyreek, 11 for 113, guys. 190 yards, two touchdowns, over 40 PPR points for him. And then Jalen Waddle didn't want to be left out of the action either. 11 for 19 targets. 19 targets for Jalen Waddle, An absurd amount. And we finally saw the upside come together. 171 receiving yards, two touchdowns, and 40.1 PPR points. So, guys, it was really a special day uh, for the Miami Dolphins here. I think at the end of it, this means more for the receivers than it does for Tua going forward. I think Tua could be a borderline top 12 QB, especially with how some of the, those bottom-end QB1s are performing. Um, but I think Tyreek, I think Jalen Waddle can both finish as top 15 wide receivers. I think that's how we always thought about it. But it was a great day to see it from them. So I've seen – had, we've had two people
0: that we know – that one of them everyone knows. Compare Waddle and Hill to Mark Clayton and Mark Duper in Miami previously. One of them was friend of the show Michael Stoyanov.
1: Okay. 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 Yeah. old Mike Stoy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> so, and here's the thing. Like, I, I think that you're. I think it's a fair comparison because these were two guys who got fed by Dan Marino their whole careers in Miami because they just threw the ball at times. They never had any good running backs, maybe Sammy Smith for a year or whatever, but this is a similar offense. Cause look at their running backs. They've got chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert. They're not going to do much with those guys. They've already shown that they're yep. going to air the ball yep. out. Now that might, it's not going to be as good for Tua as you would hope more than likely, because he's probably not going to be as accurate. Baltimore secondary. Isn't great.
1: Yeah, they left, they left th- Tyreek open a lot, for sure. A Nate. lot. And- but here's the
0: thing is that Waddle and Hill can both be wide receiver ones in this offense. You need to calm down on Tua just a little bit. He's not going to put up 50 to 60 fantasy points for you every week. He threw six <laughs> yeah. touchdowns. What was impressive is that he did what he had to do when he had to do it. And that is a trait that you see – and Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Jim Kelly, John Elway, Dan Marino could do it. Warren Moon could do it. Something we've watched Tom Brady do time after time. Mm -hmm. I need four touchdowns in the fourth quarter. I can do it on this defense. I'm going to do it. That was impressive. But, guys, he's not going to throw another six-touchdown game, and he's not going to throw for 6,000 yards this season. He probably will not even hit 5,000 yards. 4,800 yards? You can sell me on that. 35 to 40 touchdowns, you can sell me on that.
1: That's, that's still well, a QB. Still you still think, that. you think that's if, too high? If, 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 if he – In an offense, he's going to throw the ball to Tyreek
0: Hill. The thing it, is, is that he, you're looking at two receivers that are phenomenal with yards Nate, after
1: the catch. Nate, if two. he has 35 touchdowns, he's a QB one. Like, yeah. like yeah. that's – that's, that's
0: what I'm saying. I'm saying that in that – I'm saying he could do it. I'm not saying – I could be sold on that number. I'm not saying I think he's going – I think he's a 25 to 28 touchdown guy. I think he's in that 35 to 4,000-yard range this season. But I think he probably also throws like 20 picks, 22 picks, somewhere around in there. QB 12, QB 13, QB 14 I think is like realistic. His ceiling though could be QB 5.
2: Yeah. I mean, for me with Tua, it's, you know, I was, he was one of those guys too. I wasn't really in or out on him. I just, where he was at Mm -hmm. based on the market, I was like, okay. Um, You know, and it's not that I just think he's the most talented quarterback, but I mean, Seth said it, the the, Mike McDaniels head coach, that that is what I trust. Yeah, Um, Mm -hmm. I trust that they, after two games have a, basically a 70% wide receiver target share, which I believe is tops in the league. They throw to their receivers. They throw a lot. Um, mm-hmm. and with those two playmakers two just home run hitters. Yeah. He's not going to throw 60 touchdowns, 6,000 yards. So that would be absolutely ridiculous. But, um, for someone like me who on a team with where my only quarterback was Trey Lance Tua is by far my number one waiver priority this week. That's who I, that's who I want. If I don't want to stream, it's going to be tough sledding this first week in Buffalo. There's going to be some ups and downs. Um, but he showed you the types of games he can have. And again, I just, I trust that coach. I mean, yep. His two, mm-hmm. two two first games as a head coach, he took down Belichick and Harbaugh.
0: I really like what Mike McDaniel's doing in that system. I think their yeah. defense has improved. Their offensive line is sneaky good. Like I'm, I've been impressed with what they have, and they have so many running backs that they can cycle through. Like they've taken injury almost out of the equation when they're running back.
1: Here's the question, though, guys. Uh, just to just to ask this: Is this an opportunity so high if you have one of these Miami wide receivers? Would um, you consider it?
2: No, nope. I wouldn't. I mean, yeah. I mean, every player after they have a smash game is a sell high. But, you know, these are two players where I'm just in the, I'm going to enjoy this ride with my players and not trying to try make like, some kind of move.
1: Would you trade them for either one of them for Devontae Adams?
2: Nope. Yeah. Okay. I would trade Waddle for Adams in a second. That's, I- I mean, that's, I- that's like a top three receiver you're getting. I- um, but for how much oh.
0: longer, Scott? What's how that? much longer is how much longer does Waddle have the potential to reach that top three receiver versus how long does Adams have?
1: I'm talking season. redraft specifically. Oh, if you're
0: talking straight redraft, sorry, oh, dynasty yeah, no, brain. Yeah get,
1: yeah, get yeah. <laughs>
0: get this dynasty brain out here. No, this season, yeah. I know I'd make that trade I'd make Waddle for Adams. I probably wouldn't make Tyreek Hill for Adams, though. Just the along with Scott.
1: Okay. All right, guys. Let's go ahead and move forward here into some temperature check.
0: Temperature check. That's really spicy. Holy fire. All
1: right, guys. Temperature check is our segment of where we gauge fantasy football value and what moving forward what they're going to do for you based on our temperature scale of like a steak. Nate, you're the chef. Here, explain the, the scale if you would. If you
0: like medium or if you like well-done steak, you're a psycho. <laughs> that means that the player is they're cooked, they're done. Medium rare to rare is where you want a player to be. That is premium. Medium's kind of like, oh, let's see what's happening. Medium well is more of a, they're probably gonna fail, but there's still a little tiny, tiny shot they might. Medium they
2: might medium the for, this, <sighs> for the steak analogy. Medium is like, well, that's not quite what I asked for, but it's not
1: bad enough for me to send yep. it back to the kitchen. Yep, yeah, good call. Good call there, Scott. All right, guys, first one here, Carson Wentz and company, back-to-back top five QB weeks for Carson Wentz. Um, 27 PPR points for him once again here in week two. Congratulations to him, and um, really, it's been a great performance. If you had Curtis Samuel at all, if you spent the waiver priority on him last week, um, as well as Jahan Dotson, he's looked good too. Terry McLaurin letting you down a little bit, but we kind of had a feeling that could be the case here in Washington. Are you guys buying Carson Wentz here? Where do you have him on your scale, Scott? I have him right in the middle as a medium. Um, he's not
2: medium rare yet, just because I want to see a little bit more. I mean, pretty much every single every single one of us in the fantasy space has been trashing Carson Wentz for like two straight years. He's been the it's been like of four jokes. for me. Yeah, he's been yeah. He's and so <laughs> honestly, and including me, I'm not saying I, I was the Carson Wentz truther. No, I wasn't. but it's been honestly a nice surprise how well he's done fantasy wise, the first two games. Um, and he has the weapons, you know, to allow it to continue in my opinion, I want to see how he does with these next two in division, really tough defenses in the Cowboys and the Eagles. I want to see how they, those games go. Um, I don't, if I'm streaming, I'm probably not picking him up to play against either of those teams. Um, if he still shows some good fantasy success, maybe 20, 20 or more fantasy points per game against those teams, then I, he'll he'll really have my attention and I'll be a little closer to medium rare.
0: You know, Scott, I, I like what you said, where he's played well and like none of us have loved Carson Wentz, but we're open to the fact that maybe this is a good fit for him. Maybe this offense is a good fit for him. Maybe he's a good fit for Jahan Dotson, for Logan Thomas. Maybe he's a good fit for this offense for Curtis Samuel. Like, well, and- I'm not willing to close the door on the fact that Carson Wentz could be a QB one tier talent this season in Washington. Maybe he's just great for Ron Rivera. I there are quarterbacks that for no reason have big seasons. We're looking at Joe Flacco in New York having two great games. Sometimes it's just a system fit, and that's what it's, it's been a, all
2: along. It's Bortles-esque for me. Yeah. yeah those yeah. years Bortles put up a ton of fantasy points. Mm-hmm. It well, yeah, because
1: it hasn't been pretty. Like last week he struggled in the beginning, and that's why they were down so much versus Detroit, kind of doing some, some hobnob shit back yep. in, in the back of the end zone. But he does have six, 650 passing yards through two games, seven TDs. A couple picks, of course, but these were two great matchups, and that's something to think about too. There's the Jaguars, and this was Detroit. So, um, but I think the one thing to keep in mind that is different this year for the Washington quarterback as compared to recent years, they finally actually have a team like, uh, like they've always just had Terry McLaurin and a bunch of Jags running around, you know, just average guys. Now they actually have Jahan Dotson, who's a PPR machine, they also have. Uh, Curtis Samuel, who can just be a dynamic playmaker for them in a lot of different ways they, that they haven't had. Ron Rivera knows how to maximize that. So I like the Washington offense. I'm going to continue to vibe and gel with them as we move yeah. forward here. Um, let's talk about another quarterback here. How are you guys feeling? And we can just quickly touch on this because I think we all think the same thing here. But Jalen Hurts, 33-point performance from him in Week 2, three 333 passing yards too. And, you know, I think that was the question everyone had. Like, yeah, we knew what he was going to do on the ground. Of course, he goes for 11 and 57, two touchdowns for him rushing. Um, but, you know, great performance from him. He did it through the air. He got multiple receivers involved this week, not just A.J. Brown. Next on the schedule form, it, it looks like pretty good good lay of the land for him. Washington, Jacksonville, Arizona. If I'm a Jalen Hurts uh, owner, manager. Um, I am like licking my chops right now, which I am in a lot of places. So I'm pretty happy. Scott, are, are you happy with this? Where are you at here here? Uh, medium rare. I, I think it's,
2: it will be uncommon for me to give out a rare, um, but he's probably getting close to that. And here's another guy. Um, I got a little, I got a little excited talking about Jalen Hurts on the podcast over the off season. But I, I've always stood by like my, my issue my issue was never that I think Jalen Hurts is bad or that I'm a hater and I think he's a bust or any of that. Mine was just I was I was a little frustrated with how quickly he was just ascending to this, you know, no doubt about it top six QB. Yep, oh just forget about it, it's gonna happen. I just all I I, I thought the process was a little premature. What I'm seeing now is he's just he's proving that's true. He's proving it's correct. I mean he he quieted some doubts about his passing in this past game. He was above 80% completion rate. He was above nine yards per yes, attempt, sir. Um, yes, sir. which is two yards ahead of where he was last year, so it was not dink and dunk stuff. Um, he gets it done on the ground. The team is winning. They look like an unstoppable force in a lot of ways in the NFC. Um, so I'm fully on board now. Um, he's a QB1. He could be the QB1. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't end up being the QB1 if he stays healthy with the, with the way he showed he could pass the ball with the weapons he has and You know, you can hundred yards, two touchdowns rushing any game of the year. So maybe closer to rare.
0: I'm with you, Scott, and you know that I was a. I wouldn't say I was a hater. I wouldn't ever say I'm a hater in any situation.
1: But you were a doubter.
0: I was a doubter for sure. We knew what we needed to see. We needed to see Jalen Hurts be more accurate in the passing game. We had seen him making poor decisions last season. Forty percent of his fantasy production was on the rushing side of things when Sirianni said we want to throw the ball more that concerned me with Hurts because I didn't know that he was going to get accurate quick enough to not get his confidence rattled he's blowing I- me away man the dude put it together he put in the work in the offseason and in training camp and in OTAs he's got AJ Brown but he's spreading the ball out like you said I I'm all around impressed. Medium rare for now. If he gets this team to the playoffs and to a Super Bowl this season or sniffing a Super Bowl, I mean, you you at that point you can't argue. With
1: Jalen Hurts. And I think, boys, this is one of those situations, too. Like, the offense has come together. For the last four years, Philly's had atrocious wide receiving core. Now they have A.J. Brown. Devonta Smith's a hell of a number two wide receiver, too. Mm -hmm. So, like, they're kind of putting that together. Quez Watkins, you can hit him once a game for a deep shot. Jalen Hurts hit it. Doddard had a big
2: game PPR.
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's coming together for them here in Philadelphia. J- Jalen Hurts, he's leading that, and his rushing floor is so safe. Like, it, other than Josh Allen, if I offered you any other quarterback straight up, would you take it? Because I don't think I would.
0: I might take Lamar.
1: I wouldn't. Might. I wouldn't. No way. I Scott? might
2: take Hurts.
1: I might take Herbert okay, okay her, her maybe not yeah, with yeah, a chest yeah. injury now maybe not with a chest injury, but oh I'm um, not worried
2: about that.
1: I would consider I would consider that that's yeah true. i would I would consider Herbert that's a good good call there, Scott. um last quarterback that we'll just kind of quickly touch on here guys Russell Wilson not a great week for him. he's QB18 on the year after going 219 yards one touchdown one interception here in week two only five rushing yards. Through week two, so is his rushing upside, his rushing uh, availability gone? That's kind of the question I, I'm left with because I thought he would run a little more. I hadn't projected for at least over 300 rushing yards, so I'm kind of you know holding my breath over that. San Francisco, Las Vegas, Indianapolis, and the Chargers on the dock next for him, so it doesn't get easier. This was supposed to be the time it was going to be easy for him. Scott, are you concerned at all? Um I mean,
2: yeah, but I I mean – was kind of, you know, in the lower lower portion of the top 12 QBs. And that's still kind of where I see him. I'm not panicking that this start means he's just like this ineffective quarterback that's going to end up being droppable at some point. But it doesn't super surprise me. Um, and a lot of it is that rushing thing, which started to dwindle a little bit while he was in Seattle. And Russell Wilson, without the rushing floor, it's just a little bit more volatile. His room. Yeah. His yep, fantasy right. results are a little bit more volatile. There's not as much of a floor, um, and I mean he's getting used to new offense. It's new city. You know, I just I I never saw him as like okay, he's going to go there. He's immediately going to be 2016 Russell Wilson and be the, you know be in the running for the overall QB one. I never saw that. So I'm not I'm not super. I think it's a slow start on a new team. So I'm medium.
0: Yeah, I'm the same, Scott. Being a Denver fan, obviously, it's been a little bit harder for me to have a measured approach because I get emotional about these Broncos games. But that's the thing. We're two games in. Peyton Manning took three games to get acclimated to Denver, played well, got him to the playoffs, lost to the Ravens. Next season, he had the best year of his career. He threw for 55 touchdowns. He broke the NFL record for passing yards in a season. Like, I'm not – panicked about this at all I think he puts it together week three week four week five I don't care who the opponents are this is just an all-out flat-out good team good defense good line good receiving core good running backs the only thing that does concern me is Nathaniel Hackett his play calling and his clock management has been atrocious and right now I am chalking that up to learning a new system learning how to be a head coach There's massive expectations with Russell Wilson coming in. But if they don't put it together, I mean, that kind of concerns me for the offense as a whole. Because if this trend continues and they're playing poorly and they're barely beating the Texans, where it's like you're still questioning, are they going to win this game in the fourth quarter? I think this team starts to get rattled. and I think that hurts Cortland Sutton. It doesn't hurt Jerry Judy, but Jerry Judy's hurt.
1: He's day-to-day right now. We'll see what happens to Judy. Nate and Scott are saying just be patient here with Russell Wilson. Um, If you do have better options, though, this week, I don't mind looking for him. It it is Sunday night football, so maybe Russ shows up in primetime. He didn't week one. Uh, Maybe he does here in week two. Moving forward here, guys, let's quickly talk Dalvin Cook. Uh, Pretty poor performance for him. Six Six for 17 yards on the ground. Four for six in the receiving game. 19 yards for Dalvin Cook. He's still averaging 18.5 touches, but he barely has over 20, 20 or 21 PPR points here in 2022. Are you guys concerned? Um, I, I think it might just be a slow start for him. Like I, you can't really trade him. So I don't know what other advice we can give. I mean, we
0: knew this was going to be a pass heavy offense with Kevin O'Connell. Dalvin cook. will get it going. They'll figure out his role. I'm I medium. I'm not worried yet. Yeah, I'm not,
2: I'm not really worried either. I mean, it's a little bit of recency bias. He had an atrocious game this past week, but I mean, basically the entire Vikings team had an atrocious game against Philly. Um, looking back to week one, 20 rushes for 90 yards. Didn't get in the end zone, but he also got, I think, three or four targets. So I think it's chalked up to a, a slow a slow start. Hasn't scored a touchdown yet and just a abnormally atrocious result
1: uh, against the Eagles. Yep. Rams backfield, this is another one I want to quickly touch on. Cam Akers goes 15 for 44 on the ground, 2 for 18 through the air. Our old guy Hendo, Daryl Henderson Jr., he goes 10 for 47 and one touchdown. Henderson was in for more stat snaps. He got some of the valuable goal line and red zone work. Um, but, guys, this does look like a true committee here. I said last week that I I think you should have probably sold Daryl Henderson hot high while people thought he might get all the work. I hope you did. If you didn't, I think you need to ride it out until one of these guys has a big game and get out of it. More than likely, I think if Cam Akers can prove to be the guy, maybe they go to more of him at the end because we've never seen Sean McVay do a true split. But maybe this, they just have two average guys at this point. That's what they have to do.
2: I think yeah, you summed that, it up. It, yeah, it is kind of weird. I mean, I think I pointed it out before the the percentage of the RB one, the lead RB, and isn't McVay- it like eighty percent. It's not quite that high, but it's 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 approaching workhorse. You know, he just doesn't typically do a committee. So I mean, the the basically the almost the dead split this past week was a little surprising. Um, I mean, Henderson was more effective with his carries. He scored the touchdown and he was on the field more. I'd still rather have him um, than Acres. You know, but it's a tough one because Acres was way more expensive. So it's not as yeah. easy it's not as easy to walk that to walk that walk if you've got Acres. But I'm not excited for either guy.
1: Yeah, last week I traded Daryl Henderson and Chris Godwin for Deontay Johnson, Dawson Knox. Really, I was just going for the best player there, Deontay Johnson, just trying to kind of get out of Henderson while I could. Um, Nate, are you pretty much in the same boat as Scott and I? Yeah,
0: definitely.
1: Okay, a uh, c- couple more here for you guys. Garrett Wilson goes 14 uh, targets for him on the night, 8 receptions, 102 yards, 2 touchdowns, This is a rookie we've kind of touted a lot this offseason. We loved him coming out of Ohio State. He's currently the wide receiver 12 after a 30-point PPR performance here. Um, He finally got used outside, too. They didn't hold him just the slot, as we saw in week one. Kind of remind me of Justin Jefferson a couple years ago when they moved him out of just the slot. Um, And and I think week three that was, 2020. Um, But, guys, I'm really excited for Garrett Wilson here. He's got Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Miami, and Green Bay coming up next um secondaries that have been exploited so far this offseason joe flacco has thrown it for over a hundred times this season something keep in mind that might, might be inflating these numbers um are you holding on to garrett wilson are you capitalizing here while the value's hot 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 be i mean if hot, i have him hot, i'm holding hot. he's
2: he's he's in redraft he's still on a fair amount of waiver wire. um right. if he's on your waiver wire like i mean i think he's the real deal I, I never really doubted that he was the real deal. There was a talk of like, well, Elijah, um, Elijah Moore, who I still think is a good a good wide receiver, but um, I never questioned Garrett Wilson's talent. Um, but I think I my counterpart, Nate, and I both put the same thing in the show sheet. I'm not necessarily going to be emptying my fab for Garrett Wilson beca- in redraft because oh, I no it. it's gonna I have no idea what it's gonna look like when Zach Wilson gets back.
0: And that's the thing, Scott. Nail on the head. We know what he is with Joe Flacco now. But Joe Flacco outperformed Zach Wilson all camp and in preseason. He it like 60 times.
2: You know. Zach Wilson's yeah. not going to do
0: that. No, and Flacco is doing it. He's effective. He's more accurate. He's smarter on the field. He has he, He's seen more than Zach Wilson has seen. I feel like we might be watching, stay with me here, Kurt Warner in Arizona play out. All over again, it took him two seasons to get that team where it wanted to go. But if they can keep Flacco around for this year and next year, and he can continue to do what he's doing,
1: look, they can't. They sure, can't, they can. Nate, Nate the three, you, you look, keep I feel like the people. Order, he's, no, I don't think all rookie quarterbacks spend top three pick on someone and then bench him for Joe Flacco. I'm sorry, <laughs> Ryan
0: Leaf. Jamarcus Russell. Look, dude, if it's not going to work, it's not going to work. And the earlier you figure that out and cut ties...
1: You can't You can't give a guy 16 games on a bad But what team. if
0: Flacco keeps winning? And what if Zach Wilson comes in for like... Doesn't let's say matter. he comes back healthy. He plays three games and he is awful. awful. Doesn't matter. You're Flacco You're goes, Flacco yeah, goes
1: three... Discussions in. In the old Twitter Flacco goes three and one. Be. Yeah. Well, he, okay. here's, here's the bottom okay. line on Garrett Wilson, guys. It... If you're playing in a league with me, he's not on waivers because I have him in almost every single league. And he's a guy, I had him in my projections as a top 18 guy. And it was a little spicy. It was a little hot. And like, I had him projected for more points than AJ Brown. AJ Brown. Like I literally like, and that was like one of those I had to like dead look at myself in the eye. I'm like, is something wrong with me? You know, and it's just one of those things that I believed in. And maybe, maybe it's, just Joe Flacco's inflated passing game. Um, but I think Garrett Wilson could be the real deal. Sorry if you drafted Elijah Moore, told you not to. Told like, no, we sorry, all told you not to. Like, I don't, I don't know. I, I said, why would you pay for Elijah Moore at like wide receiver 30 when you can get Garrett Wilson at wide receiver 45 plus? So, not victory lapping because this could change in a heartbeat. But sure. I think Garrett Wilson's the real deal, fellas. And I think real, we found it possibly real quick
2: before we move on. Shout out to the round one. Healthy wide receivers in
1: week two. Every single yes. one of them had a great yep. game. It was uh, really yep. cool to see every single one of them. Yep, agreed with you guys. But now we have to talk about someone who, Scott. I know you're not going to be too happy about this, um, but it's Kyle Pitts, and it was our it was our uh, thumbnail for the episode. Is it time to trade Kyle Pitts? Absolutely not. Two no. two receptions. Absolutely not. Three. Three targets, 19 yards, back to back, 3.9 PPR point performance. Scott, he still has name value. Like maybe you won't get exactly the value you can. Okay, here's the the deal. Here's
2: the deal with the name value thing. If you are thinking in your mind right now that Kyle Pitts is a bust, it's all hype, never gonna be anything, then yeah, take advantage of the name hype. Try and get what you can. I fully don't believe that. I fully believe he has inexplicably not been a big part of the of the offensive strategy. And here's, here's the outcomes I see in the short term. So it applies to redraft. Either Arthur Smith gets his head out of his ass and starts getting the ball to Kyle Pitts, or Arthur Smith gets fired and somebody else comes in that says, hey, I have this dynamic talent on my field. I'm going to get him the ball. So that's what I see happening. I still do not question Kyle Pitts' talent. The results have been awful. I'm not going to argue that. I'm not going to. They've been brutal for redraft. I have him everywhere. It's been brutal to watch. It's been very frustrating. But he is he is a guy I am willing to basically sync with this year if I need to. If I need to grab another tight end to to play here and there, fine. But there, I'm not I'm not trading him. I'll trade for him. But I and dynasty wise, if you can if you can buy low on Kyle Pitts right now, please do. Please do yourself that favor. Um, I'm not. I think it's a slow start. I think it's a it's a it's a it's a muddled offense that's still figuring itself out. And, you know, I'm just I'm not ready to I'm not ready to sell Kyle Pitts after two games.
0: OK, yeah. I, that's Seth, if you're going to sell Kyle Pitts after two games, I don't you have cannot, anyway. you cannot crap on me for wanting to be done with Zach Wilson already.
1: A, totally different situation here. Here's my, here's my question. I'm just going to lay this out for our viewers, for our listeners, and I want to hear what maybe what they have to say. Last 13 games for Kyle Pitts, 57 receptions, 142.7 PPR points. So not bad. That's a solid tight end. Pat Fryermuth, over his last 13 games, 58 receptions, 148.4 PPR points. So over the last 13 games, Pat Fryermuth has been a better fantasy tight end or just as good as Kyle Pitts has. And, you know, I, I'm sorry, Scott, but I think that's, like, I think Kyle Pitts got overdrafted again. Like, I'd rather have Drake London, rest of the season. If you if you said, here, take your pick at an Atlanta pass catcher, Drake London's at least shown me he can get double-digit targets and capitalize on it. Kyle Pitts is, like, one career game over 20 PPR points. I'm just saying, like, the excuses got to stop. Like, I put that those exact stats in a tweet out earlier, not one like. Not one like because no one wants to admit it to themselves that Kyle Pitts I mean, I might just, not I, be I, that. Guy. I I I can't argue that that stat is not true.
2: I mean, if you want to go out and trade Kyle Pitts for Friarmouth, be my guest. I'm not saying uh, will,
1: do that. I will obviously. be on the other
2: end of that trade. Here's my deal with Pitts: like Friarmouth is not winning New Year weeks. He is outscoring Pitts. Yes. So in a very black and white, cut and dry way, he he has been the better choice. I still think Kyle Pitts has that ability if he gets unlocked, which I think can happen and will happen, to be that difference advantage-making player at that position for you. Pat Firemuth is never going to be that. He's going to be good. If you want to cut bait and redraft, because because you, you need to win games, I get that. I'm just I would love it if every stud you know, you, you, you had them and they were just studs the whole time. You didn't have to wait for it. If, or if I could predict when everybody was going to become a stud, I can't. And Kyle Pitts is a guy I am willing to take my lumps on because okay. I think I believe in it. I believe it's going to happen.
1: So Nate and Scott here, they're telling me once again, young buck, practice some patience, right? That's what you guys are saying to me. You're saying just hold yeah. up because you're okay. Seth, Seth, your points are very valid though. Like I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm
2: running out of excuses. You are correct. Um, yeah, in, sure. redraft, in redraft, Thank I you. do believe I, I and a lot of other people did overdraft him. I just am not to the point yet where I'm like, okay, because the result hasn't come yet, it never will. I'm not there yet by any
1: means. It's understandable, and I appreciate your guys' take on it. We do have some in the scope to get to. Talk a little waiver wire, free agent. Fine. I'm seeing some new faces in the chat tonight. Thank you guys very much for tuning in tonight. If you enjoy this type of content, please give us a like, give us a subscribe. Come back for us. We're here every Tuesday night, nine thirty. Nate and I are back around Friday. We got fantasy NASCAR, fantasy golf coming your guys' way this year. But guys, let's go ahead and jump into it with some in the scope. <laughs> requesting permission to engage in the scope in the scope you guys know the deal we're going to talk surface level waiver wire additions and we're going to talk some free agent fines that you can get for zero to no fab maybe a little bit of your fab um but let's talk about the, the surface waiver wire guys that everyone's going to be going after here on tuesday night Damian Williams, of course, stepping in for James Conner. I think that's a no-brainer if Conner misses time. Um, Daryl Williams, excuse me, sorry. Go ahead and scoop up Daryl Williams. Tyler Conklin, he's looking like a pretty good, uh, a pretty good tight end right now for the Jets to pick up if you need some tight end help. Maybe if you have Kyle Pitts. Uh, just getting on that <laughs> one. Um, Sterling Shepard. Um, Nate talked about it on Twitter last week that Sterling Shepard might be a guy. Kenny Galladay. I was on him, guys. I'll be honest, that was on me. He was the one that I took the side of, Scott. I know you were on Kadarius Tony, and it looks like these guys aren't even parts of the offense. So it looks like yeah. you probably should pick up Sterling Shepard, which is a shame, honestly. And I love Sterling Shepard; he's a great player. But my fear is in three, four weeks he's going to get hurt again. So
0: that's, that's a fair
1: that's a fair concern. So w- watch your fab in, with that, but you know consider them um noah brown for the cowboys we kind of spotlighted him a, a couple times so far this season he's someone if you need some wide receiver help in the interim consider him he's not really a long-term guy i don't think with Jalen Tolbert's going to be back eventually james washington um so so keep that in mind and then jared goff he's a quarterback if you do need some help and you don't want to uh if carson wentz isn't out there if you don't want to roll with wentz this week given the matchup jared goff he has the weapons asrb D.J. Uh, Hawkinson, those boys. Um, but let's go ahead and go within the scope. These are the guys who I think we can get away with spending um, little to no fab on. Nate, you have a very deep one, so why don't you go ahead and throw them out there for us, please.
0: So as we kind of talked about earlier, <clears throat> the Detroit Lions offense is keeping in line with 2021. They're throwing the ball at about a 60% clip every game. Jared Goff is getting used to the offense in Detroit. amon Ra, D.J. Chark, obvious choices. But he's spreading the ball out, which is kind of crazy. 71 passing attempts. Nine different players have caught passes in the first two games. Josh Reynolds, he is rostered in 0.2% of ESPN leagues right now. He's got six targets. He's got four catches. He's got a touchdown. He's got 66 yards. But here's the important part. He has played with Jared Goff his entire career. This is his fifth season. Sixth season. He's been with Goff every one of them. He moved to Detroit with Goff last season. He's getting kind of in the fold here. <clears throat> and he's getting some of the like medium value targets. The better he plays, he becomes a wide receiver three in this offense. We've seen Hawk kind of failing. He's he's not the Hawkinson and everyone wanted him to be. I think Josh Reynolds yeah. is a really solid I, I mean wide receiver three. He's a flex play. He's not going to be a wide receiver two behind Amon Ra and DJ Chark. And DeAndre Swift, but he's a wide receiver three. And I mean, honestly, if anybody else in your league is looking at them, it's because they're listening to our show and you already know that. Go grab them on waivers. Don't put a penny of your fab on them. Don't use a high waiver wire priority unless you're hurting really bad and you have to have a wide receiver to start next week where you need like a guaranteed five to seven points. But his upside as the season moves on, I mean, it could increase. And I think for his cost, if you have the spot, it's worth an ad.
1: I like it, Nate. My only concern with him long-term is eventually I think all these pass, dippers or pass catchers are going to take a little bit of a dip when Jamison Williams' first-round pick comes back. So that's my sure. – But if you need someone for the next couple of weeks and you're in a deeper league, three-wide receiver, maybe a two-flex type of league, um, I'm okay with it. I, I don't love the third pass catcher for Jared Goff, maybe the fourth or fifth, but I understand sure. – what you're digging for this is in the scope of course
0: of course I'm, lo- I'm looking for that super deep value my question is jameson williams is an acl injury correct correct uh, he's not going to be he's not going to be full speed till next season at the earliest so I mean, he
1: might not be full speed but he'll be out there he'll be out there in november yeah but he's like not that.
0: he's not a guy who's going to be effective enough to steal a ton of targets in this offense this year if dan campbell's smart and this offense is already rolling with who they've got you don't roll jameson williams out in any meaningful role this season it doesn't make sense. And, Scott, I, and I'm done.
1: Scott, any any thought on Jay Reynolds here?
2: Um, I remember I had Josh Reynolds in a deep sleeper thing. I think last year until Julio Jones signed with the Titans. Yeah. Um, for the for the purposes of this being like a super deep, um, you know, end of bench depth pick, uh, I'm fine with it. You know, like we've. I mean, they're you know, thirty five plus passes a game so far, seventy percent to wide receivers um you know he he could he could uh he could provide some low-end fantasy value i don't know how mm-hmm. consistent it would be and i mean jameson williams we have no idea when he's coming back i got him stashed in some ir spots and stuff like that but i'm not really sure when he's coming back so okay. who knows how much effect that'll have but i mean seth said it i mean you know it's it is a third wide receiver for jared goff, who Jay looks goff, baby. Jared is still goff. um so yeah i mean it's 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 for it's it's a, it's a super deep play um but I do like it. I think it's a little bit spicy.
1: Little Nate, Nate's known to throw out some spicy shit to us. We know that. Nate, that's Nate's true. Like, Nate's like one of those. Uh, Nate's like one of those places that, uh, like, you go and like, what spice level do you want? Oh, I'll take like a four, and then you get it back, and it's just hot as all hell, and you're just, oh Jesus, like you know. <laughs> that, 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 that's what Nate. That's what Nate brings to <laughs> weekly so, here at IBT, folks. As
2: a segue. As a segue, if you want the reverse of Super Spicy Takes, yes. we could move to mine where I may have forgotten the rules of In the Scope. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I you, forgot you... the rules a little bit. Uh, I forgot it was like super deep, like just scraping the waiver wire. Uh, but there is a purpose behind this. And so my In the Scope, what, whatever the rules, is Gerald Everett. And the name that has been mentioned, it is not an unknown name. And the reason for that is because, at least on ESPN, his ownership is still down at 30%. Now, I believe that's going to be much higher come tomorrow this time. Um, but I think he – and also the reason I brought him up is because he's, like, one of the only people that I propped up and actually got right so far this season. So I wanted to talk about it. <laughs> um, but I think, like, I mean, for people that are ready to cut bait on Comet, for people that are worried about Kittle's injury, for people that just – you know, the, the later round tight end I picked up sucks – Gerald Everett has shown what I thought would happen. I thought he would be a heavily involved tight end for Justin Herbert, which he Jerry. has been. Um, you know, he uh, he started off. You know, it wasn't it was the week one wasn't super promising. He basically split targets with Trey McKitty. Um, he did get the get the touchdown, but only three catches. But last week in the track meet with Kansas City, and there's gonna be lots of track meets in that AFC West. He had 10 targets, which tied the tied the team lead. And he had 100% of the tight end targets and a 20 plus percent target share. Um, and he ended up with 71 yards, no touchdown. But I mean, you know, he ended up with, I don't know, 13 PPR fantasy points, which I will take for a tight end that was being, you know, Certainly. tight end 18, 19. Um, if he's still on your waiver wire and you need tight end help, I would get him. I would grab him. Um, that, is, that is my number one target on the team I have commit. Um you know, if you pick you know, just if you picked up somebody, Tanyan or some of these guys that you thought were gonna be really good.
1: Cameron Brait.
2: Well, no, he's on the waiver wire in ninety nine point nine nine percent of
1: leagues. Um I, I'm in the I'm in a couple of those point oneers, I'm gonna be honest and it's me.
2: <laughs> anyway, um I just I've always liked Gerald Everett and I think he's finally has, has the chance to be a number one tight end um on his team, but with a really
1: good offense, not the Seahawks of two thousand twenty one. I, I like Jerry Everett a, a lot here. Um, Scott, def, def, definitely, like, one of those guys who's who's kind of broken out a little bit but still out there in a good bit of leagues. And he looks freaking sweet in that number seven. Like, let's just be honest. I, yes, I haven't really seen like a single-digit tight end number. Like, that's Ooh, fucking sweet. No, I, I love it, man. I love it. Yeah. Kyle really, Pitts is number eight. Oh, okay. Well, Kyle <laughs> Pitts doesn't touch touchdowns, so it does, it's irrelevant here. He's you know? more of a wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah, that's that is also true. Um, guys, I'll round us out here. Um, want to thank everyone again for tuning in tonight. It's been awesome uh, debating with you guys. I love when we get in the season because we actually can like talk shit more shit to each other because we actually have like game right. to back us up. Mm-hmm. So, like I was right, also like when that like, goes for couple... hundred and
2: a teddy next week. <laughs> right. Yes,
1: yeah. Um, so I'm gonna go here, guys. My in the scope, and it, it's just like if you need a running back depth piece who could grow into something more, think about Jarrett McKinnon from the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Currently rostered in 13.6% of ESPN leagues. And listen, like I want to see more volume for him. Only averaging seven touches per game. Comes off a performance with 34 yards um, on the ground. And then six targets, five for 31 and one. Um, so, you know, he, he hasn't been spectacular. He's gotten it done. But what I really like from him, in addition to being RB 31 on the season, is his 43% snap percentage. That's his highest among RBs in the Kansas City backfield. So he's playing more than CEH, playing way more than Isaiah Pacheco, and he has 11% target share, which is like on pace with MVS pretty much. So you're pretty much getting MVS with a couple rushing attempts at your running back position, which I'm all right with that. Like top seven among RBs in fantasy points per touch, 1.25 fantasy points per touch. So he's efficient with what he's getting. Top six in yards created per touch. So, again, just being a really efficient back, he's got Indy, Tampa Bay, Las Vegas, and Buffalo coming up. Specifically, I think Tampa Bay, Las Vegas, and Buffalo could be a little more of a shootout game. You could see more of Jarrett McKinnon. So, in that case, like he's a guy I'm going out. I might put a dollar of fab, I might put no fab, just you know, put a zero claim in for him or just grab him off the wire tomorrow if I can. Um, I liked him last week, too, but he was playing on Thursday night, and I wanted that bench flexibility, so I didn't get him in a lot of leagues. But I'm going back after him here um, in week three. That's Jared McKinnon. And if anything happens to CH, guys, he's a very valuable player as well. Absolutely.
0: I like this call. <clears throat> I've been on Jared McKinnon since the season
2: started, so I everything you said. I just like God. that we're still talking about Jarek McKinnon. I feel like we've been Right? Yeah, Cuz he's he's a guy I rooted for ever since he, you know, came into the league. I believe it was with the Vikings. Was Back the in Vikings? 1991. Yeah, <laughs> something <laughs> like that. Yes, know. it
0: was the Vikings though.
2: Yeah. Not 1991.
0: Um 92, sorry.
2: <laughs> so anyway, no, but I like the call like and I mean if anything happens to any of the other running backs, his his mm-hmm. usage is just going to go up. Um I did not know that about the which by itself doesn't seem like a really big snap share, but in that Kansas City system, and if he's leading the way, um, got to be on the field to get to to get those fantasy points. So I like the, I like the call. Like I mean, you know the the it's the RB waivers are pretty barren right now. Um, at least the ones I've been looking at, not a lot of great options. So this, if you're looking for some RB help, some RB depth, especially in full point PPR, this is the guy. Yeah, one dollar maybe. I, I agree.
1: Yeah. Dala, make me holla. You know how it goes, guys. <laughs> I don't agree with
2: that.
1: But... <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I want to appreciate everyone being here tonight. Uh, the IBT family for tuning in. Scott and Nate, your guys' expert opinions tonight. Some great back-and-forth discussion. We hope we help fantasy managers as they prepare for week three. want to thank our audio editor, Kyle, in the back end as always. Um and guys if you need more of us go over to inbetweenmedia.com we're getting things rolling we got so much content great content coming up for you 7 days a week now Nate you and I will be back on Friday we got some more special guests um coming we got we're going to talk matchups we're going to talk start sit answer some listener questions as well it's going to be a lot of fun my friend We got it all man
0: I'm excited for Friday yeah. let's cut to the credits
1: we're Absolutely thank you everyone 15, so much but... have a great week 3 Peace. Your destination for both some feel-good lifestyle advice and some fantasy football
0: advice.